Fun Ideas Productions presents the Fun Ideas Podcast. This is Mark Arnold, and welcome to Fun Ideas Podcast number 202. The Fun Ideas Podcast is brought to you in part by Freaky Magazine. I contribute material to every issue, so give it a try. Hey, kids. Have you read Freaky? The magazine of weird humor for freaks like you. Freaky Magazine is a way-out collection of weirdo comics, kooky gags, photo funnies, social satire, and surreal collage. Fifty-two pages of insanity in the tradition of magazines of yore like Cracked, Plop, and Zap. Special offer for Fun Ideas listeners, get a free sample copy in the mail. Made of smelly newsprint and smudgy ink the old-fashioned way. Just message your mailing address to theslowpoisoner at gmail.com That's theslowpoisoner at gmail.com while supplies last. On sale now is Mark Arlo's latest book called Pac-Man, the first animated show based upon a video game. This book tells the story of Pac-Man phenomenon and goes through the entire history of the Hanna-Barbera Animation Studios. The history of the video game, pre-Pac-Man, the history of Pac-Man, the character, the video game, the spin-offs, the merchandise, and the anime TV series. Each and every episode of the classic 1980 series is covered and examined. Plus, Mark Arnold covers how Pac-Man has been honored on various anniversaries, including the 40th anniversary in 2021. A fun read for casual and hardcore Pac-Man and video game fans alike, featuring many character model sheets and other images. Available online through Bear Manor Media, Amazon, and Barnes & Noble. Get your copy today. Friends, have you tried Lee's Comics? Lee's Comics is better than the leading comic book store. Wait a minute. Lee's Comics is the leading comic book store. Based on arbitrary standards set by Lee Hester himself. Lee's Comics was named as one of the 21 best online dealers by PopOptique.com. To shop the Lee's Comics eBay store, go to eBay and search for Lee's Comics, Inc. That's L-E-E-S-C-O-M-I-C-S-I-N-C, period. Don't forget the period. Mention the Fun Ideas podcast when you order, and you'll receive a free bonus gift. Stars of Walt Disney Productions is my latest book, Out Now. I just turned in the manuscript for Not Just Happy Together, the Turtles A to Z, from AM Radio to Zappa. It's a book I've been co-writing with Charles Rosnay. I'm doing the final edits and photo selection of my Mad Book, and that will be turned in next. I'm also working on my TV cartoons at Time Forgot book, plus articles on Nightmare, The Galloping Ghost, and Harvey Superheroes. On today's show, we have an animator, author, and instructor, and here he is, Tom Cito. 
Hi, this is Mark Arnold, and welcome to another episode of Fun Ideas Podcast. And on mm-hmm. today's show, I have a legendary, I think, <laughs> animator <laughs> named Tom Cito. At least he's legendary to me. Uh, <laughs> so welcome to the show. How are you? Okay. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing very good myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some various questions about uh, different things you've done in your career. Um, but the main thing I wanted to ask about, and I bought this book years ago, mm-hmm. is called, it has a plastic cover, so it shines too much. Drawing <laughs> the Line <laughs> um, is about uh, your uh, experiences or the information about your uh, about the Disney uh animation union strikes and things like that but uh i think you cover more things now there's a book that just came out and i interviewed this gentleman on the last episode and you may have seen it called the disney revolt oh yeah 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 yeah. yeah so no, i don't know I if you had a... come out with that so okay so i don't know if you've had a chance to read this one yet but oh, yeah. uh, i'm just kind of curious before we kind of go into your career and everything uh how do how do they compare <laughs> Oh, well, you know, you know, what you could, um, Jay had a lot of great sources that, that he drew on and stuff. And, um, I, you know, including mine. And, and, uh, I mean, when I started, nobody had really written about the strike, you know, right. I mean, everything about the strike uh, of 1941 was from, you know, the Disney, the Disney PR machine, you know, you, you know, sort of point of view. So like, you know, Walt had a wonderful company. Everybody was happy. And then a couple of commies tried to spoil everything. Then World War II happened. And you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, when I talk, I mean, I was fortunate enough that when I started my career, um, a lot of the golden age artists were ending their careers. And I noticed that um, even in their old age, they still bore grudges about 1941. It still bothered them, you know. Mm-hmm. Like I used to hang out with Maurice Noble, who was the uh, art director of all the Chuck Jones stuff, and and Maurice was at Disney's and he was a striker, and um, and and I remember saying to him like uh, Maurice, I was working at Disney at the time, and I said Maurice, why don't you come over to why don't you come over to the studio? We'll have lunch. We'll we'll get together all your your old students. You know they call them the Noble Boys. You know you know and, and you know we we'll have a nice time. And Maurice goes, might run out of Frank Thomas, you know? And I'm like, wow, man, like what, what is this thing that these guys are in their eighties, they're at the edge of, you know, you know, eternity and they're still mad at each other. Yeah. Best based on this one, you know, summer of 1941. And so that kind of stimulated my interest in wanting to go back and look at this stuff, you know, and um, I was also, you know, good friends with Art Babbitt, you know, who was the, the strike leader. Yep. And, um, and, 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 you know, and when I started to hear their stories of things, they were so diametrically opposed to, like, the official view that suddenly I was getting, like, well, okay, wait a minute, there's two, I'm getting a Rashomon thing here, you know, <laughs> like, what's, what, what's going on, you know, you know, and, um and, and you know, and and it led me to kind of like expand, you know, in the story. And it's and it's funny because um, when I when I turned in the book, it, uh, you know, it, you know, and hit stuff about you know the mafia and the bomb threats and all kinds of things going on. Um, it, you know, the the publisher you know wrote me back and goes, "Did this really happen?" <laughs> I go, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." You know, 
it's it's hidden hollywood history you know i mean it's a you know uh, hollywood's kind of famous for like writing its own uh it's it's its own legends for itself you know mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's funny you know because when i did the research like i you know i was also friends with the with the with the people who didn't strike you know like i was good friends with mark davis and frank and ollie and and you know joe grant and a lot of those folks and so i heard their side and i heard the strikers side and it was very interesting to see you know when you put it all together it was like a greek tragedy where if everybody stuck to their to their guns if everybody you know stayed with their principles the inevitable disaster was going to happen anyway you know and, and and also the other thing is i noticed that a lot of um uh, people who write Disney history a lot of times tend to put Disney in a bubble, you know, like, like, like this is the happy place, the happiest place on earth and nothing bad ever happens here. And, and, you know, and, and it's like, no, Disney was part of Hollywood. You know, Walt Disney went to every opening. He went to every society event. You know, if you, if you, you know, you research, um, old varieties or old trade papers whenever there was like a major event in town walt disney was there you know mm-hmm. you know he was not like isolated off on a on a right. mountain somewhere you, you know and and the people too it's like it's like he, he, you know people go home after work you know it's like after work you you know you get together with your friends at a restaurant or a bar or back in the 30s and 40s when people couldn't afford restaurants they'd have house parties Mm-hmm. Where where you know everybody would bring a bottle and uh, and get some records and you know and and uh, you know dance and have a party and so you know the Disney artists would meet their friends at MGM and and Warner Brothers and Screen Gems and they'd all talk about stuff and in the late 30s everybody was talking about unionization. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, that's like everything was happening. That's the, the director's guild was forming, the writers' guild was forming. So, so to try to do a history of Disney's isolated from the rest of Hollywood is not telling the whole story. You have to kind of wrap it all together. And, right. you know, everything that was happening at that time, you know, just like you know, Disney's um, output was very much affected by by the war in Europe. You know, like when they did Snow White. You know, it was the last comparative year of peace. So, so you know, Snow White did really well all around the world. By the time the next movies came out, like Fantasia and Pinocchio, you know, you know, Hitler was already dominating Europe. And um, I believe in, uh, they said that by the end of 1940, Disney movies could only be shown in, in England and Portugal. <laughs> that was it, you know, you know wow. and like, France, Germany and Italy were like really heavy theater going, you know, audiences. Mm-hmm. So so it really hurt his overseas, you know, you know, you know, bottom line at that time. And likely and the same thing was happening in Asia. You know, if you're Australian or you were Philippine or, or, or from Singapore, you know, you know, you were too busy running from bombs to like, you know, go watch a movie. <laughs> right. But it wasn't just Disney. It was all studios where they all yeah. affected. Yeah. It's like, exactly. um, and I guess to, to uh, go on your point, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, it, it seems like, I think the reason why people think that about Disney nowadays is being like its own thing is kind of mm-hmm. Disney's own publicity. It's like, we're separate from them we do animation they do films and other things you know we had our nine old men and they're just a bunch of hacks and you know it's just like you know it's it's their own mythology they're kind of promoting and of course it's easy to believe after a while that you know they were like their own 
island and everybody else uh yeah. did everything else you know but I, you know i i get it it's like yeah you know, and i think that's the difference probably i answered my own question but it's been a while since i read this uh is that you kind of cover the whole industry the industry as a whole for yeah. a long period of time whereas this is really just the 1941 yeah. Strike, yeah, you know, he, yeah, he, he really focused on the strike. Yeah, you know, yeah. The, the the other thing that always used to get me, and and I clash sometimes even with other Disney historians, is there's a certain cadre of, uh, uh, and I mean, you, you know, I'm a member of the Hyperion Historical Alliance, and I'm a member of all the Disney scholars and stuff, and I go to a lot of you know Disney um, uh, events and things like that, and um, you know, and they're all great people, you know, and they're all terrific, you know, scholars. But there's a certain group of um, the, the the I call them the Saint Walt crowd, you know, like there's the crowd are like Walt Disney is infallible, you know, Disney, he's like Mother Teresa with a with, with a cigarette, you know, it's, right. it's like the, the man could do no wrong, and 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 I think that does a disservice to the real man, you know, like I yeah. I'm not out to tear him down or insult him, right. but when I talk to the people who interacted with him, who worked with him. He sounded like a normal guy, you know. Yeah. He he smoked cigarettes. He liked to drink after work. He would swear on occasion, yeah. you know. <laughs> you know, he wasn't a he wasn't a you know Saint Francis, you know. He was a normal guy, you know. He bore grudges, you know. He he, he bugged them about people, you know. But there's a famous story about um when 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 Disney first pitched the uh, you know first threw out the idea that we're going to do a feature length animated film, this thing Snow White. And, and and you know and and it was seen as a terrific gamble because nobody had done a feature length cartoon yet, and nobody had done a cartoon with some serious motifs in it. You know, like she she she's dead at one point. You know, right. And um, and and the, the studio was very uh, the artists were very worried because things were moving so well with the with the Mickey's shorts and with all the other shorts and all. And why should we? do such a long throw the dice you know you know if it fails we're unemployed during the great depression <laughs> you know? right <laughs> it's like really you know people worried about it yeah. and um it's a story about disney at one point showed like the work reels like the work in progress to the to the staff and 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 handed out paper and said anybody write down any notes any suggestions or something and um and, and you know, and he was going through the notes later, and one of the notes was, "Why don't we stick to shorts?" Mm. <laughs> you know? And this like bugged him so much so that ten years later, during a, a, a story meeting about another another film, mm -hmm. uh, you know, he was sitting around talking with his lead animators and the story artists, and they were throwing around ideas, and one person. Uh, uh, you know, expressed hesitation about uh, uh, um, you know one point, and Walt said. Are you the son of a bitch who said let's stick to shorts? <laughs> he remembered that from like ten years ago. Like it still bothered him. Yeah. Wow. So I mean, you know, what I what I find fascinating about Walt Disney is that it's not about like or hate. You admire the guy, you know, you know, but but admire the whole person. Yeah. You know, um, uh, David Swift, who directed the Haley Mills movies. Uh, you know, Parent Trap and all was was telling me once about um, he uh, when he started directing his first film for, for Disney because he had, what he had done was that uh, he was in the strike, but then but then he was put off by the um, militancy of the strike leaders, like they kind of offended him. So so he crossed the picket line, went back to work, <laughs> and uh, John, John Hubley keyed his car, like sort of like scratched his car. 
<laughs> but uh, you know, after this, you know, so soon after the strike, you know, the war happened, and you know, and he was involved with that. And then he he went east and got involved in early television and started writing scripts. And he used to write for the Mister Peeper shows and things right. like that. And 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 got to his first direction was like television direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, on a trip back west. He, he ran into Walt Disney and Disney was like, uh, you, you know, I'd like you to work for me, you know, and direct a film, you know, and, and, and it'll be a live action film. He was like, wow, okay. You know, so, so he was saying like his first day on the set, uh, he, you know, he had like 80 people on the set and all and did doing their first setups. He, he, re, he remembered he uh, left some, he, he left some notes, uh, uh, in, you know, uh, in his office and he got up himself and ran up to his office to get his notes. And as he was running back to the soundstage, uh, Disney was in the hallway. And 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 he was like, Hey Swifty, come here, I want to talk to you about something. And 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 he was like, Well, you know, Walt, I really can't pause, you know, you know, because I got 80 people down at, uh, on the set and they're waiting for me. And I, I don't want to keep them waiting. And Walt goes, Hey, my goddamn studio. Come on. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, I mean. That guy sounds normal, <laughs> you know. That yeah. guy sounds like a regular person, you yeah. know. And 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 again, too, it's like it's like I'm not. I don't think it cheapens him. No. I think it just makes him more like a, a whole human being, yeah. you know. But I mean, Disney himself was aware of the fact that he created this image of Uncle Walt, you know, that mm-hmm. that nice person that that appeared in our TV sets on Sunday nights, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you know, you know, he was like a sort of a. Um, uh, you know, a, 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 a non-religious Santa Claus, you know, <laughs> person. And, 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 you know, his famous quote, you know, that he said, he goes, I'm not Walt Disney. I said, I, I Walt Disney doesn't smoke. I smoke. Walt <laughs> Disney doesn't drink. I drink, mm-hmm. it, you know, meaning that he created that character, you know, just right. like Marilyn Monroe used to talk about her character in the third person. And mm-hmm. uh, John Wayne did also. Yeah. You know, like if you were if you're good friends with John Wayne, you called him Duke. Mm-hmm. You know, he didn't call him John. Mm-hmm. You know, he considered John Wayne his character. You know, mm-hmm. and and I think there's the same thing with Walt Disney. But you know, that again too. On on the other side, I cannot help but admire that talking to the to the people who interacted with him. Mm-hmm. That uh, even the people who he he was uh, became his enemy. Like even the people who crossed him. Mm-hmm all admired him as a person and they all said they all felt that connection with him you know they'll you know joe grant who who quit the studio in 1949 in a in a political thing and uh, and it was written out of lady and the tramp and stuff um he came back to the studio for aladdin in 1990 and and and, and we got to be good friends because you know he liked to talk politics not just tr- you know film trivia mm-hmm. and and uh, and we would sit around and talk and and, and he once said to me he says the difference between you and I is, you you, you work for the you work for the Disney company, I work for Walt Disney. <laughs> okay, you know you know. Yeah. So, so, the, something I learned when I was young uh, from a lot of the older guys was like, uh, never argue with a guy with, with silver hair. <laughs> now, did you ever meet Walt? In any, any yeah, time. No, I think I was oh, only okay. 10 years old when he died. Yeah. And, well, you never yeah. know. You might have seen him in Disneyland or something. I don't know. You yeah. Know, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I did meet a lot of people at yeah. that time and stuff, but, uh, and I was good friends with Roy Disney, you know, with the nephew. Mm-hmm. 
mm. and everything, and, and and the other members of the Disney family, and um, you know, but it is it. it uh, I was very fortunate in that when I began my career, a lot of golden age people were ending their careers, mm -hmm. so I had a chance to overlap them, you know. Mm -hmm. So like on, on on the movie Raggedy Ann and Andy, uh, Richard Williams had me at one point assisting Grim Natwick. And it's like, I was like 19 and Grim was like 87. Right. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, this is the guy who, who designed Betty Boop. Like right. he sat down on a blank <laughs> piece of paper and created Betty Boop. You know, he, he had a great story about, about how he created Betty because he, he lived to be 100, God bless him. Right, right. And, and, um, and, and he loved to tell stories. He was a great storyteller. And, um, and he wants to describe how he designed Betty, because um, he he had worked at uh, I guess after World War One, he, he you know he went to Paris and studied art in, in France and all before coming back, so he was very good at drawing uh, the female figure. And, uh, you know, Seamus Culhane said, he says, what's great with Grimm was that was that up to that point when people animated uh, characters running and, and they had to turn around, uh, what they would do is that they make the character run out of screen, then turn around and then run the other way like that. Mm. Grim actually made people turn around in space. Cool. It, yeah, it, yeah. You know, which is like, you know, it's hard, but, you know, but, you know, when you, uh, you know, it's a matter of, of your drawing ability that you can make that happen. But, but Grimm described about how he designed Betty. He says, well, you know, he's like 90 years old. And he used to play up the old man thing. He'd go, oh, <laughs> you know, he would do that as a joke, you know, you know, like that. So he was a very sharp man. So, um, but he would say, well, we had this dog named Bimbo and they wanted Bimbo to have a girlfriend and they wanted him to be, they wanted her to be another little dog. So I designed this like uh, French poodle type, you know, with, with spit curls. And the and her earrings would be would be her 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 poodle ears, you know, and then and then when I got to her body, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's all he said. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, well, let's go back a little bit further in your career. Um, so. You you like attended everywhere. I, I looked on Wikipedia and on your website, and I'm like, this guy's done everything. It's like you know, it's like you went to like the right schools and right, <laughs> and you worked you worked were were taught by the right people, and it's like oh, I'm jealous. Anyway, <laughs> so I mean, uh, so it says high school art and design and school of visual arts, and it says Harvey Kurtzman was one of your instructors. So I'll yeah. start with him. What was he like? I just recently finished a Mad book. So I'm like, I uh, never met him either, you yeah. know. So I'm curious about uh, what he was like. Harvey, Harvey, Harvey was a lovely, was a lovely man. He, you know, he was he was, he was very sweet and everything. And it's kind of funny, you know, because he was doing stuff like Little Annie Fanny and a sort of like girly mag, you know, stuff for Playboy and everything. And he's a very happily middle class married man and everything. It's like no, no, no big deal, you know. And um, um you know and he he was great at promoting other cartoonists and recognizing people's ability and um you know discovering people and and what what i was always surprised about was was that as somebody who was like such a, an innovator he was a great listener like he loved he loved like just sort of listening to people talk and he loved listening to artists and seeing you know you know like like channeling the right person to the right job and saying like you know, 
you should do this, you know, kind, kind of thing. And, and, you know, and I noticed that even early on, you know, you know, when I was like taking his class, I think he sensed something in me as a teacher because, because he, he, he loved to like share tips about teaching with me. You know, he, he'd sit there and he goes, because after class, he loved to go for a beer before before he caught the last train to Mount Vernon, you know, this is like, you know, Mad Men era, you know, you know, it's like everybody took the train up to the to the suburbs. And um, anyway, so so we were sitting in the in this, uh, in this, uh, you know, pub in uh, on 23rd Street and 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 Harvey would look at me and go, my theory of teaching is got a 15 week class, bring in five guest speakers. <laughs> you know, pros love to talk. Students never get enough of pros. And you can sit in the back and have a cigarette. <laughs> well, we can't smoke anymore. Yeah, you know. But Harvey was so well connected. He, you know, like he brought he brought in Terry Gillum. He brought in R. Crumb. He brought in Al Jaffe. You know, he brought in Russ Heath. And I was like, oh my God, these people are more. These people are gods. You know, it's just like. What's insane is, you know, uh, all the people he grew up with. I mean, it's like that's a a laundry list of people, too, you know, (laughs) went to school with. I mean, it's almost kind of like in your situation. (laughs) So that's like, you know, Um, (laughs) now you eventually worked for him on. uh, Didn't you submit gags to little Annie Fanny at one point? Uh, Did you actually submit like complete stories or just little gags to punch it up or something? Yeah, I was a gag guy. So like, so like Harvey would write the main theme. He'd make, he'd write the main story, and then and 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 show me the rough. And then and then I would submit lots of like uh, side gags, you know, because Harvey's Harvey's little Annie Fanny had lots of little gags all around, you know, right. the main story. So he wanted all of those things, you know, you know, and and you know, for 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 a kid and, and you know, student, you know, this was terrific, mm-hmm. you, you know, because you, you learned stuff that you thought was hysterical. He had no reaction at all, and then sometimes something you, I just threw in just to fill out the envelope, you know, you know, the fill, fill the envelope. you know, he loved, you know, it was like so. Okay, so I learned, I learned about humor from that, you know, uh-huh. and plus you would get the check with the Playboy, you know, symbol <laughs> on it, and, and I remember I'd bring it to a bank, you know, you know, and the teller would like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's airbrush, you know, it's a, it's amazing what they could do, you know. <laughs> You didn't get any written credit for that, right? So, no. so like I have the two collections that Dark Horse put out a few years back. So, yeah. how would one tell, yeah, you know, a gag oh. that you did? Is there a way oh. to tell, or is it just too assimilated and it just looks like yeah, person it's an elder? Mostly, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mostly it's mostly sight gags. You know, okay. it was like it was like one of the. Uh, little Annie Fanny at the at, at the sex ph- clinic, and then there was another one I forgot uh, a gay bar or something like that. But uh, but but uh, yeah, it was things like you know um uh, uh, a a girl uh, you know next to next next to nothing uh, uh, you know by the entrance to the to the uh, uh, to this little sex farm, and she's um, bending over to pick us some flowers right next to a sign that said "Park here." You yeah. Know? <laughs> Okay. All right. That's, so that's the that's, type of thing I'll take a look at. See level. if I can yeah, yeah. see if I can yeah. find figure out what you may yeah. have written. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was all like around um, seventy-five. I think it was like seventy-five, seventy-six. The summer. Uh, now, did you work on any of the artwork or anything like that, or no? Um, no, no. That was Will okay. Elder. 
Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I know yeah. he had help, you know, from like Russ Heath and even Jack Davis yeah. over the years. So oh, I yeah. thought maybe there would be, you know, mm. uncredited drawing help. But you know, okay, yeah. more ideas. You, you know, one interesting story with Harvey was um, uh, Harvey used to take credit for for helping create Little Annie Fanny. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sorry, uh, uh, he used to take credit for for um, for creating Monty Python. Oh, okay. Because he said he hired John Cleese. And 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 uh, Terry Gillum was one of his students, right? And, and so Terry Gillum was working as like an intern, you know, for him on uh, on it was either Humbug or one of the it was help the, it was help by that point. oh help okay yeah That's, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah and 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 Cleese had just come over from England looking for work as like you know young actor, so so he hired him for those photo fometti things yeah yeah <laughs> and you know and and they got to know each other and they were friends, and then later on you know you know the, the two of them drifted back to England and then connected up with the Cambridge you know you, you know you know crowd you know Terry Gillum and uh, I'm sorry uh, Terry Jones and uh, Michael Palin and stuff, and anyway so Harvey liked to tell a story so. So jump ahead to 2003, it, you know, Harvey's already passed away. And um, I was on the Warner Brothers lot working on the Looney Tunes back in action with Brendan Fraser. Mm-hmm. And, um, and 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 I, I, I got to be on set a lot because I was like the, the animation uh, uh, liaison, you know, like coordinator with the live action crew. And um, anyway, they hired John Cleese for a cameo. Uh, uh, that they were going to use in, in, in like one uh, one sketch with uh, there in Paris, uh, Brendan and Jenna Elfman and by the Eiffel Tower in his little cafe, and they wanted uh, Cleese to come out as a French waiter and 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 do his snooty waiter, you, you know his his thing that he did in Holy Grail, you, you know, right, you know, right, kiss of other people's bottoms, you know, right, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and you know, so he came out for for like a day shoot. I, I don't think they used it. Uh, they wound up not. Using I don't remember it. him in the film, so no. Uh-huh. Uh, Unless it's on an outtake reel on there, but I have yeah. not—I didn't think it was in the film. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame, man. Everything because you know there's a lot of good stuff. You go, that, that would have been nice, but oh well. Did but, you get a chance uh, to talk to him then about that? Is yes. that what you're okay? Yeah, yeah, well, this is the thing. I actually thought, what the hell? Uh, you know, I went over to his trailer and knocked on the door, and he was very friendly. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, "We have a mutual acquaintance. We both work for Harvey Kurtzman." Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and 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 John Cleese. Goes, oh yes, Harvey, Harvey. Oh, yeah. wonderful man! Uh, I met Gillum working for him, and I'm like, <laughs> "Shit, that you're right." That's <laughs> like corroborating sources. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay. <laughs> he may have come to terms with it, but I remember interviews with Cleese probably back when he was still with Python, like in the '80s, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he 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 hated when people would bring up that Barbie doll Fumetti's, like, no. oh, yeah. <laughs> you know. But I think enough time has passed. Is like. You have to, you know, live with your early material as well as your later stuff. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody, everybody has some embarrassing things, you know, yeah. that you just kind of like, oh, yeah, that I was yeah. silly. You know, I mean, so. it makes it stand out because they did Fumetti's like all, all the time. But honestly, that's the one that really stands out for me. I think there's one with Woody Allen also. But for the most yeah. part, the Fumetti's are just kind of, oh, OK, you know, <laughs> it wasn't my favorite part of Help Magazine. So it was right. like, you know, yeah. that's probably why. But um, going back to you. OK, so <laughs> um, before you were in all these uh, different schools and everything, did you automatically have an act for art and everything like that? Or what was your, uh, you know, yeah, I, I think I, I think I always liked drawing as I was a kid. Okay. And, 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 you know, you know, I went all through public schools and, um, 
And I noticed early on that the, the class artist doesn't get beat up as much as the other ones. So, <laughs> so, so draw pictures. <laughs> you know? And at first, well, you, you know, as a kid growing up in New York City in, 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 the, in, the, in the 50s and 60s, the big thing was newspapers. You, you, you know, you get the Sunday funnies. And, you know, I sit there and read, you know, um, Dick Tracy and Potsy and Moon Mullins and Little Abner. And and and, and I originally thought, well, I want to be a strip cartoonist. You know, I want to make that kind of stuff, you, you know, and, and that's what I was really obsessed with. And uh, then, of course, that was the golden age of Marvel, too. So you would pick up, you know, you know, I had a, a whole run of Spider-Mans and, and Fantastic Fours. And I love the artwork and stuff, you know. <laughs> But I never saw myself as a comic book artist. I always saw myself more as a as a comic strip type person. I go towards. I I always tended to to go towards comedy. I was more of a comedy guy, you know, person. And um, actually, it was in it was at art design in in, in the you know in the eleventh grade that uh, that a teacher showed me how to animate. You know how to make the how to make my drawings move, and I just kind of fell in love. I thought this is a great. This is amazing, you know. And then I found out later you could get a job doing this stuff. <laughs> oh, you could you could actually do this for a living. So you, you know. didn't consider animation before that, then, uh, no. or did no. you uh, watch cartoons when you were young or pay oh, yeah. attention? Oh, okay, so yeah. it wasn't like you I, were. You know. oh, yeah. I was one of those, um, uh, you know, boob tube babies who got up at six a.m. and I looked at the screen when it was snow, <laughs> you know, <laughs> waiting waiting for the test pattern to come on. <laughs> hey, I'm. I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but it's like yeah. I still was doing this early '70s. So yeah, it's like yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. I mean, I remember all that, all that, all that stuff. You, you know, and um, you, you know, the 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 thing that sociologists were always worried about, you know, kids' brains rotting watching TV all the day. <laughs> well, this right. is the, this is this is generation. <laughs> we, 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 we watched all that stuff. You know, yep. now all my students are on phones. You know, you right, know, exactly. I walk around and all the kids are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly I saw, I saw a great gag cartoon recently of like if um if the titanic had sunk this year instead of in 1912 uh uh the, the boat's going down and all these people are in the water like they'd be filming it <laughs> <laughs> filming it sink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well um let's see then after working with Kurtzman, you worked with Seamus Colhane for a while. Is that the next yeah. thing? Is that and what was he like? Oh, Seamus was wonderful. He was a, I mean, it was a big influence on my career. He was very, um, uh, you know, he, he was very uh, irascible, old gent, uh, rascal, but but he liked to, to be that. He was a very, uh, a very big personality. And um, it's amazing because when you think about it, it's like, uh, you know, he got started in silent film. He was like he was like a runner for John Randolph Bray in like 1928 or something like wow. that. It's like 14 or something like that. And and he said the reason why he became an animator at Fleischer was was because when when things went to sound, uh, his mother made him take violin lessons so he could read music. And they and and at that time they used to print the music right on the exposure sheet, like right you know for the animators. And and a lot of them didn't read music, you know. So so he got a break that way. So he he was over at um, at Fleischer and then went to Disney's you know for Snow White mm-hmm. and, and and Pinocchio and then you know and then drifted back uh, back east. Uh, so that amazing career that he did some of the earliest television commercials you know, 
mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, it, it was just amazing picking his brain you know you know because it uh, you know i think that's kind of like where I, I learned to become a storyteller as well because uh, you know when you're talking about asking about walt disney he'd mm-hmm. say he'd say walt disney was a great man walt disney was a genius if you were his friend he was a warm personal friend if you crossed him he was a mean son of a bitch. <laughs> he'd, he'd go after you. <laughs> and, you know, and he goes, he was all those things at once. And like, okay, you know, that, that, that's fair. But, you know, he was, he, he was, he was fun that way. He also was, um, his second wife was the daughter of Chico Marx. So, so he's married into the Marx Brothers, <laughs> you know. And, and when he first, when I first came out from from New York and they were in L.A., uh, uh, you know, he was um, he was staying with his father-in-law in his father-in-law's mansion, while you know waiting for. He says, uh, uh, "I get the feeling that his dad never approved of him. He always thought his his daughter could do better, and everything." He'd say, he'd say, say "My husband Jimmy, the commercial artist," <laughs> <laughs> and um, but um, at one point. Um, I asked him, I said, so what were the Marx Brothers like off camera? And he goes, biggest bunch of horse players you ever saw. He <laughs> says, he says, mornings I'd go down to the kitchen, you know, to get a morning coffee. And all, and, and all of them were all around the kitchen table with the, with the charts from Hialeah and Hollywood Park with cigars and stuff. And all, all handicapping the races that day. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, and, and he's like, it's too early for this stuff. <laughs> I want a cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> now, was this uh, your first uh, animation job, or uh, um, did you do I, anything my, before that? Yeah, my very first job was at a little industrial company on 19th Street called Teletactics, and and, and it was a film called "Let's Hippity Hop to Nutrition Land." <laughs> Okay, it's on it's YouTube. <laughs> you know, you do your a job's a job. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's explaining. This is a carbohydrate. This is protein. Oh. This is a fat. You know, this is kind mm. of thing. I may it's have kind of... seen it. You never know. When did this yeah, come out? Yeah. When yeah, was it made? Like, uh, it, it was like a, a, yeah, seventy-five. I think yeah. it was probably. It was, yeah, I was yeah, you know, nine years I, old, so I could. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was just talking with another Disney animator about. Um, uh, when Disney used to make these kind of films, and uh, and they did one with Donald Duck called "The Story of Steel," yeah, where Donald Duck explains how steel was made, you know, yeah. and and I said, you know, uh, and that's back when they yeah they would roll in the sixteen millimeter projector, you know, everything, yep. and they'd run the and yep, they run, the <laughs> and um, and I was telling my friend, I said, I said, I remembered nothing about the second grade, but I remembered how to make steel. Because Donald Duck showed me how to make steel. So if you had Donald Duck as your teacher, you would have learned everything. <laughs> really well. Yeah. <laughs> now, the one you did with Seamus that said uh, is this one, and I haven't seen this either, Protection <laughs> in the Nuclear Age. Yeah, right. So explain that one. <laughs> I know. It's like Seamus was taking all these weird gigs at the end of his career, like just anything. And and uh, because, because he was like a... Um, uh, you know, um, it 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 was like a Reaganite remake of a, a of a 1950s movie about how to survive a, an atomic attack. Mm. For some reason, the government wanted this updated and everything. And they're like, okay, you know, and, and 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 we used all these like sort of um, uh, UN sort of gender neutral figures to be the people. Like you didn't really see details on the people; they're just these outlines and everything. 
and, and, and Seamus was, would joke about, about, you know why we don't make them look like real people? This way the audience doesn't get upset when they fry. <laughs> now, did your film still have duck and cover, or were they finally abandoned that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they, yeah, they abandoned duck and cover, but it was kind of like the same kind of thing. It was just like you know, evacuate major city, uh, major cities, and you know, all, all this kind of nonsense. You know, you know, you know, barricade yourself in your basement with, uh, with you know, eat live live on graham crackers for five hundred years, and you'll be okay. You know, and, and it's like. You know, nobody working. Everybody worked on it. Was like, oh, it's just you know, just let's just take their money. <laughs> <laughs> so, did you work on any others with Seamus? I mean, that's the only one that's listed. That was the, that was the main one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit on on the the last of the Red Hot Dragons, which was like another like little film that he made. That, that he made. He he made a connection with. Um, he made a connection with Bruno Bozzetto studio. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, and they had just done Allegro non troppo right. and everything. And, and, and so, so they were doing stuff together, you know, and, and uh, Seamus would be, would, would be on the phone to, um, would be on the phone to Milan and, and, and he go, Milano, yeah, yeah, Ugo, yeah, it's Seamus. Yeah. Okay. Oh, fangu. <laughs> Could he speak? <laughs> or That's just... like the only Italian he knew. Oh, well. <laughs> Pizza. But but yeah yeah again he was a, he was a he was a great character and and yeah he knew so many wonderful people. I mean uh, he, he, you know I met Bill Titler's daughter working for him and um, and Chris Ishi who was a background artist at Disney's uh, again during the strike and everything also he was a he was a striker at the time and moved back east. So there was a certain cadre of artists who who drifted back east, you know, during the, you know, basically during the Mad Men era to get in on, on all the commercial work that was happening around uh, around town. Didn't um, if memory serves, since I wrote the Total Television book, didn't Chris Ishii work for Total Television for a time? I think, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I should look yeah. at my own book. <laughs> but yeah. anyway, yeah. and yeah. I, if if memory serves, I was going to actually interview him. It was mm -hmm. Joe Harris who put me in contact, and they passed away before I could get in touch um, with him. I'm like, yeah. so I, that's I, why I, his name always triggers yeah. a memory as one I missed. So if you, if, if you remember Woody Allen's uh, Annie Hall. Uh, he did, he did the animation, the Snow White animation in that. Oh, okay. Right, right. The, yeah, that was Chris's studio stuff. Okay. So, you know, he used other freelancers as well because he was primarily known as a background artist and stuff. Right. But he put together a nice little group to animate that. And the next one I have on here is uh, you mentioned earlier Richard Williams. So, uh, how how did that transition happen? Yeah from Seamus. oh yeah yeah well, well i mean i started on um well seamus was one of the original production managers on on the movie raggedy ann and andy mm. and, and 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 it was um uh, uh you know and, and there was a uh, there was a lead assistant on it named dan haskett who i knew from high school and dan and i were friends and uh, dan's an excellent artist and all and, and 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 you know and dan you know encouraged them to hire me and everything for for the for the uh for the williams project Seamus by then had quit you know you know and uh you know, uh, you know like because i think the pro the issue was that when Seamus was running it, they were running. They were going to do the film as like a low budget UPA style production, like a very simple design. And then Dick came in and had all these wild ideas of like expanding the quality and making all the super animation. <laughs> you know, you know, Dick, Dick Dick's famous motto was uh, he would say, "Life's on ones." 
<laughs> you know, <laughs> meaning single frames. You, yeah. you know, most animation is filmed uh, uh, twice. It's almost uh, it's like two twenty fourths of a second. Mm-hmm. Well, well, well. Um, very rapid animation on once was like one twenty fourth of a second. Mm-hmm. You know, so 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 Dick always wanted as much um, uh, drawing and quality in it as possible and everything. Mm-hmm. And so he and Seamus clashed over that originally. And and so Seamus wound up leaving the project, even though he still got a screen credit on, uh, you know, on it. But but I was like, I started like, a, you know, as a, as a painter, and then moved up through in betweening, and got a chance to. And again, too, the the amazing thing about Dick's projects at that time was that Dick um, loved and respected the old character animators of the nineteen forties, mm-hmm. and so he was giving jobs to all these amazing artists who had no. Um, you know, outlet otherwise. Hmm. And so, so, you know, there's Jerry Chinicky who, who, you know, was the first animator of Yosemite Sam. And then there's Art Babbitt who created Goofy and, you know, <laughs> and created, you know, the Wicked Queen, you know, and then as all these strong artists, you know, and, and, and it's interesting because this is when I first saw the generational gap where, where it's like all the in-betweeners, like all the entry level positions were all at like around 1920, 21 you know years of age and all the animators were in their 60s <laughs> and there was nobody in the middle you know like it was very few you know there's a yeah. couple like you know ralph Bakshi, don bluth like that you know there's a couple of people in the middle yeah. um but but it was generally that it was during that um uh retrenchment of hollywood you know the generational shift you know and <laughs> And and not to drop a name, but I was talking to Steven Spielberg about this, and uh, <laughs> and uh, um, yeah, yeah, you know, and 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 he said he said yeah, he says well, yeah, when I was doing Night Gallery, you know, nineteen sixty nine, you know, everybody on my crew were in their sixties. Yeah, he says like, you know he's like in his twenties, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, always, like, of course, he's old. directing Joan Crawford in the first one, which is you know lots older than her him, yeah, you know, exactly. and she. Yeah, yeah. The story I know is that, you know, uh, she at first didn't like him. She said, oh, who's this teenager? <laughs> Which he was a little <laughs> older than that, directing me. But then uh, she found out he knew what he was doing and she was very protective over him. That's what I've heard. Oh, yeah. But, you know, so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. But but it is that. But but there was that great shift. You know, you suddenly mm-hmm. saw, you know, and, and it's funny because, it, you know, really from the late 50s into the 60s, hard, hard quality character animation was like sort of on the outs like nobody mm-hmm. wanted that stuff they wanted the very graphic you know the very you know captain crunch you know very simple <laughs> type stuff well do you uh, think um, the people in them i'm sorry to interrupt the people in like that middle age range were they working in like more like the for tv commercials and things like that rather than yeah. the feature yeah. animation or the shorts or anything else or even saturday morning type stuff yeah, yeah, or, uh-huh. or, or or you know, or they were even you know dissuaded from getting into animation, you know. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I remember uh, again, there's a book that I'm working on right now about that time period, about about how many older folks would you know the, when you first meet people, they go animation that business is dying. Don't waste your time, <laughs> you know. Just something else you do. You know, it, it's not going anywhere. You know, <laughs> and that was the attitude in those days. You know, uh, um. George Bakes, who was um, who worked for, for, with Bill Teitler a lot when Teitler had his New York commercial studio, was talking about how uh, they would get a commercial for like Doxy Clam Chowder, mm-hmm. and, and 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 all the client wanted was was uh, uh, the product shot, you know, the can of clam chowder, and a, and and a school of little fish swim by. So all <laughs> you would want is basically like 
one drawing of a school of fish with a two drawing cycle of little fins and you just move it by you know that that's all he want that's all they wanted mm. and Tyla took it and did and did like the persian dance in fantasia you know he did this beautiful <laughs> fish animation and, wow. it and gorgeous and they hated it mm. and, you know because it didn't look modern it looked like it looked like old-fashioned stuff mm. you know I mean, even uh, even uh, Ward, Ward Kimball at that time, uh, uh, you, you know, when everything was in the UPA style, everything was in the modern graphic style. Uh, Ward used to joke about uh, Bambi and, and Pinocchio as being the Campbell soup kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's all around, everything round and rosy cheeks and all that kind of stuff. And that was considered old hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so really like my generation kind of brought that back in the late 80s and 90s it, it, you know suddenly like we brought back real character animation again mm-hmm. you know and and i mean it's a thing that i'm always trying to encourage my students about that um that don't get locked into a style because the times will change and then you'll be stuck it, it, you know you know like the counter to that Titla, you know uh story was uh, i was at dreamworks and we were working on the prince of egypt and that's like real hardcore character anime, a very full very humanistic character image and this old animator came in he was a very proud old man you know and we worked on a lot of stuff together and um you know he was white-haired which i wasn't yet but uh <laughs> at that time and anyway his portfolio all had all stuff from the 60s so it was all that captain crunch and quisp and quake and uh <laughs> you know all, all that you know, you know snap crackle and pop and uh, it was all in that style and um, it's beautiful, but it wasn't our style, you know, and, and, and he was rejected and I felt so bad for him. You know, I, I felt terrible, but it's like, you know, it's the times changed, you know? So, I mean, right now we're in an age where things are a little graphic, more graphic now than they were maybe like 10 years ago, you know, they go into the Samurai Jack and things mm-hmm. like Jack Horseman and stuff like that. Like they like stuff a little more, a little more flat. But, uh, you know, it could shift back again. Who knows? Right. You know, so. Um, let's see. So I guess I could ask about more people. So you also work with uh, Eric Goldberg and Art mm-hmm. Babbitt, you mentioned John Canemaker uh, during that time. What, what were, when you worked with these various people, did you actually have, have the ability to like actually be friends with them i don't know how animation studios always worked i mean especially later on if everybody is like kind of in their own world and they don't really (laughs) interact much or if there's like a camaraderie because you hear that more about like older studios you know in the termite terrace days but when you get later on it's like it doesn't sound like it as much but anyway What's yeah, your I mean, I, I, I mean, uh, you know, me and Eric and and, and John and everything were, were of that generation where we're, we idolized those guys and stuff, and we wanted to be like them. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you, know, you know, we wanted to be like a termite terrorist thing. So, you know, it's a very small community, and we all know each other. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like stuntmen. You know, like stuntmen all get together and they hang out and they talk about, oh yeah, Yakima, it was great. You should see him fall off a horse. Oh my god! Like, and and animators are the same way. They'd all sit around and they'd all tell war stories to one another. You know, you know, Carl Bell was uh, uh, who worked for Richard Williams, and, and I worked with him. Uh, he was telling me about working on Beanie and Cecil for Bob Clampett. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and he would say that like, a, a, you know, about how crazy Clampett was, where he says sometimes you'd go in this, in his office, uh, uh, you know, to ask a question or, or get or get notes on your scene. And Clampett would put on a Cecil puppet and would make you talk to the puppet. <laughs> she'd say, she'd say, well, Carl, I think you should hold an extra eight frames on the last pose and then cut to the long shot, you know? <laughs> wow. <laughs> I love, st- I love stuff like that. Because <laughs> you, know, yeah. you realize that they're all, you know, uh, uh, like uh, a thing that's a little different now than it was back then was that in that time period, and you know, from like doing the, uh, you did the, the Patty Frailing story, you know, mm-hmm. all the studios were run by, uh, were owned by people who were, were, Produce were artists like they're all run by people right. who made animation. You yeah. know, Bill, and, uh, you know, Hanna Barbera made animation, and 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 Frizz Frailing, and you know, Steve Zostow and and Lou Scheimer and stuff. They all made it. Uh, now it's all businessmen. It's all yeah. it's all suits. You know, I mean, it's like there's like two studios, like Ken Duncan's and and Dal Van Sutter's Renegade, and that in Hollywood that like that are actually run by animators. You know, you know, but uh, it's 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 increasingly rare. Yeah. because back then uh you know see that's the other thing too is like people um uh you know younger people would ask me like well you know back then like didn't didn't like somebody like uh um jimmy stewart or uh, or humphrey bogart want to do a cartoon voice and i said no (laughs) (laughs) cartoons were looked down on as like you know as you know bottom base basement level junk you know like that you know if you ever if you ever uh go to the warner brothers lot the animation studio was about as far away from the center of the studio as you could get. It was practically mm-hmm. up against the back wall by the by the 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 drainage, you know, uh, you know the LA River, you know, kind of a thing in the back there. It's like, you know, nobody in there, you know, if you, uh, I think uh, it was, um, oh my goodness, the. The, the girl who's the voice of oh Jody Belson, who was the voice of Ariel and Little Mermaid, right. was saying that when she got the job to do the voice uh, of Ariel, uh, her other her other Broadway friends called her up with consolation. Like, <laughs> That's too bad. Doing cartoons. Oh man. Uh, nowadays, <laughs> it, nowadays it'd get like Taylor Swift to do it, you know, or something, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. it's like, um, yeah, it amazes me because you know we're you know somebody was talking about who was the first celebrity voices and probably was like some of those 40s compilation films where they get dinosaur and you know different people to narrate things and stuff like that but you know and then i jokingly said but you know some people can't always tell that i was joking but it's true (laughs) i was saying maybe walt disney is the first celebrity voice because (laughs) you know he did become a celebrity but i think he did mickey out of convenience more than anything else yeah 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 he he got tired of telling people how to do it you know you know you know there's the famous story about in tom and jerry uh uh, tom's famous laugh you know the famous Mm -hmm. like you know, like you know, you, he somebody hit him on the foot or something, and that big oh, yeah. laugh, that big roaring scream would come out. Yeah, that's that's uh, I believe that's Bill Hanna. Yeah, I've heard it's Bill Hanna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> I'd love to have that uh, that filmed when he did it. You know, it's like, yeah. all right, take one. because apparently he they ran through a bunch of actors. Yeah. You, you know, and and Bill kept going, no, not like that, like this. Ah. Yeah. No, not like that, like this. Ah! And finally, Joe said, Bill, why don't you do it? Yeah. <laughs> I've heard that story many times over the years. I think it was like, you know, like Melinda's, how he got the job doing Snoopy's oh, voice. Yeah. Or, yeah. 
uh, is just because nobody else would do it the way he, he wanted oh, yeah. it done. And so he did it himself. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so. yeah. I used to hang out with Bill Melendez too, because, because Bill was also a president of, uh, of the guild, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when I was president, when I was guild president and, and, and so we would get together and talk like, you know, you know, talk shop or something. And uh, uh, I never worked for Bill, but, but we just hung out a lot. And, mm-hmm. and again, too, he was, he, was a, he was a great animator, you know, he was a great animator in his own right before he was running a studio and he was a striker he was at the 41 strike yep. and and um uh, he he was funny too because um one of the things i noticed when i'd interviewed those guys about the strike was that i said the the people who who crossed the picket line and defied the strike uh when you talk to them wouldn't look you in the eye mm-hmm. and, and the strikers would look right at you, <laughs> you know, so, so, so you talk to bill uh, you know like bill would go yeah we shut him down we drove Walt crazy, <laughs> you know, and we're very casual about it, you know, and the people who crossed were like, well, you weren't there at the time. It's a, it was a bad time. It's just, you know, yeah. <laughs> so I thought like, well, I want to be like Melendez, you know, I, I don't want to have to, you know, make excuses my old age. You know? That's just, <laughs> but, but one other thing was fun about Bill that I loved him was, um, Bill was from the Mad Men era and everything. I mean, he had done his best work, you know, the, the work he's known for in the 60s, you know. Right. And, and and he worked with a lot of agency people and stuff. And so every time we would have lunch, lunch to Bill was three vodka martinis. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Bill, I can't get screwed up. I got to go back to work, you know. And he's like, bang, bang. Yep. <laughs> Well, that's what I discovered when I was interviewing the people for the Total Television book, Buck Biggers yeah. and uh, Chet Stover and those guys. They they were talking about martini lunches, and they're just talking about it as something normal. And Mad Men was on the air at that time, and I said it's Mad Men, and he it just dawned on him when I was talking. Oh yeah, I guess yeah. it was, you know. Yeah. But he lived it, so he didn't think it was anything odd or out of the ordinary. And yeah. you know, I even commented, it's like you know nowadays you'd probably be fired for being an alcoholic. <laughs> Oh, yeah, 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 you know. yeah, 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 yeah. I actually had a chance to to talk to Matthew Weiner about it too, because he's a USC pro, and, and and by saying that when I saw that, how right you got it, and everything, because I I was like the tail end of Mad Men, like when I was doing co- work at commercial studios in New York, and Xander's was on 40th and Madison Avenue, so we were in the Young and Rubicon building. You know, mm-hmm. so so like, you know, I would walk in the elevator and it'd be like nine guys in gray suits and stuff all look <laughs> identical, you know, and I'm like in my sloppy army jacket and stuff because I'm the freelance <laughs> artist, you know, but uh, but was but he caught that. He caught that really well, you know, and, and uh, uh, I, oh, I lost my I lost my earlier thought. It'll it'll come to me in a, in a minute. But uh, what I found. Uh, oh, oh, I remember. I remember. Yeah. Carl Bell had another story about. Uh, he was working at Chuck Jones on um, when Walt Kelly was there, and they were doing the the uh, uh, they were going to do the Pogo special, mm-hmm. and, and and Kelly was a tippler. I mean, Kelly was like a he would show up in the morning and like, is there a bar around here? <laughs> I need a hit to wake up. <laughs> I hope the family's not. What I, I don't want to get. I mean, I love Selby and everybody. They're all wonderful people, but but anyway. Um, Allegedly, this is real Hollywood history, folks. Yes, this yes. Is real. <laughs> but, but you know, what was funny was uh, Carl was saying, he said, um, the production manager, Marlene Robinson, uh, uh, you know, uh, got the staff together and said, when working with, with Mr. Kelly, Mr. Kelly likes to have a drink at lunch. So 
when you come back to the studio after lunch and 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 chuck's office was on vine and sunset so it's like right in the center of hollywood and there was actually there was actually a bar like on, on at the penthouse mm. I, think was, I think it was called the swan room or something like that but uh but really not it's a shame it's not there anymore it's a perfect place for for a hangout but um but uh, marlene said okay uh when you come back from lunch uh, uh, when you pass by Mr. Kelly's room, don't disturb him. No matter what you see, you leave him alone because he's Walt Kelly and you're not. So just leave him alone. Like, and then Carl was like, right, after that, I got to look now. <laughs> I got to see. So he said, so he said he, he came back to the, he came back to the, uh, from lunch and, and he walks, walks into the hallway and he, and he passed by the door and, and he peeked in and he says, Walt Kelly is like uh, by his desk laying face down in a puddle of drool like <laughs> completely unconscious wow and, he, and he's like is that guy dead is he all right and he's like no he's fine don't worry about it you know <laughs> and then after a while he would come to and he'd get up and he'd start <laughs> inking his strip you know hmm. and um ben washam who was another animator who who worked uh, worked there said that kelly could be so drunk that if he stood up he'd fall down but but he'd he'd hand ink his strip so like he he says his hand was like a rock, the rest of him was like, you know, like Kid Shaleen and Capaloo, you know, like Lee oh, Marvin, wow. you, know, you know, but he but the, the hand was like, wow, like perfect, interesting. <laughs> so all, all his concentration was in his hand. So wow. <laughs> see i will go to let's see you worked at hannah barbera for a bit so um but the only thing listed is super friends which is not a problem because i watched it but is that the only thing you worked on there or is that the only oh, thing no. that they <laughs> mentioned <laughs> yeah there's a bunch of stuff um uh, I, I did uh what i did the godzilla power hour mm-hmm. and and jana the jungle oh, and uh, and yogi's laugh olympics Mm-hmm. And uh, some Scooby Doo, some Scooby Doo cleanup, and 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 Super Friends. Scooby's um, Laugh Olympics. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of those. Yeah, there's always another one. Yeah, you know, it was always that thing. Uh, a bunch of those stuff, and, and and there was a lot of shows. You know, I mean, that time period, like 1978, like that. Um, H and B uh, again, too. Bill and Joe gave jobs to all the. Um, all the old animators, like all his old, right. animators, you know? and you walk around the studio, and it's like a, a it's like a, a Noah's Ark of of classic animators, you know. This is his lifeboat. You walk around and go, "That's Dave Tendler who who worked on 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 Popeyes <laughs> and Betty Boops, and is you know you know Kazan Zalati who was Ralph Bakshi's you know assistant director, and 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 there's Ken Muse who was like one of the great you know who animated Jerry dancing with Gene Kelly and Anchors Away, you know. So there was all these amazing people, and the my big coup when I was at H and B was that I got in the poker game, which is like every lunch a whole bunch of animators would sit around and 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 play the and play poker, you know, you know, and and uh, and it was all these heavy Vegas games, you know, like it was always like a seven card around the world baseball, you know, jacks one eye jacks are better. I don't know. I'm just a kid, but um, <laughs> but there's these guys. It's like you know Nick Nichols, who was a directing animator at Disney, and you know, and then it was, I, oh, he wasn't at the time, but I mean, they're they're all working for 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 uh, for Bill and Joe, and um, it was interesting because um, 
uh, Bill was, uh, they divided up their, their duties, you know, uh, Bill was um, uh, very much involved in production and making sure production went through. And Joe was involved in um, developing new shows and, and pitching new, new series and publicity. And they kept their realms, you know, you know, separate and everything. So <laughs> you very rarely saw the two of them together. They were always doing their 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 stuff on their own, you know, and and, and um, they're very nice. And, you know, it's interesting too because like some of the old animators, particularly like the elderly MGM guys and stuff, would uh, uh, during the uh, afternoon break would hobble up to this little market and and, and buy a pint of bourbon at the desk, and and um, and and uh, they said Joe Barbera uh, spoke to the manager of the. Um, of the market and said keep a running tab and then give it to me at the end of the month and i'll pay it so nice this is very very nice and very nice person you know and and you know one time um oh um one time um i I was with uh, this other assistant uh was a older lady and she knew all these guys and stuff and um we would drop off freelance to some some freelance artists who um uh, uh were too frail to come into work you know, you know but, but they still want to keep working and there was this guy named hicks loki and and hicks loki animated on fantasia like he animated uh the crocodile and the elephant in the dance of the hours oh wow and so he was a mm-hmm. magnificent animator you, you know mm-hmm. but when i knew him he was elderly he looked like an appalachian apple doll or something it was like really very little old man you know oh, like this. and and um and, and and but he was a brilliant animator when he was young. So um, we were doing Godzilla. So um, so he would uh, you know we drive up to his house and this little elderly guy would would hobble out and would some with a package and he goes I got forty feet here of uh, Godzilla fighting the smog monster or kelp monster or some kind of bullshit I don't know what it is. Wow. <laughs> And it was all good. It was all yeah, good yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you encounter Tex Avery there, or is the uh, were uh, you? Yeah, I met him. I met him once. Yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't really get a. I didn't really get a good chance to talk with him okay. and everything. To, to you know, but um, but he was there, and, and yeah. I, I do remember that he was like in a in a different department, you know. Uh, and um, I, I got to know Michael Law, you know, mm-hmm. who's another um, um, Avery animator and stuff, right. and uh, you know. Uh, all, all very nice people and, and stuff, you, you know, because I know that, like, you know, we all like spoke the same language, which is animation, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like <laughs> that shows you went on to filmation for a bit, and uh, mm-hmm. you did those uh, lo- those weekday versions of He Man and Fat Albert or whatever, um, mm-hmm. among other things. I mean, uh, oh, yeah. I guess you were friends with Mike Kazala and a few other people like yeah. that. Yep. Yeah, okay. Because no, 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 no. I'm yeah. trying to think who I know that worked there at that point, and I've asked him many questions. Um, you, you know, it's funny too is that you know that's another place too that you know Lou hired a lot of um, old animators. You know, a lot of people right. who had worked on a bunch of stuff. You, you know. And and, uh, and done a whole bunch of things, and uh, and I remember like I eventually became a director there, and 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 it was a little controversial because there was like a lot of older guys who were always hoping for a chance and all, and and so sometimes I get a little you know a dig or animosity from some of the older folks, but I remember this one old animator came up to me, 
uh, you know, giving him some scenes. And I knew that he was very infirm. He was a very frail guy. And um, so I'd give him easy footage and everything. And, and he recognized that. And he once said, come on, Tom, I was animating when you were in a spot in your old man's pants. He says, did you ever see Make My Music? I go, yeah, it's a fantastic film. He goes, remember Willie the Whale? And he goes, yes, I love that sequence. I cried at the end. It was so beautiful. He goes, he goes, when when Willie the Whale gets hit with the harpoon shot from the boat, I animated the cable. <laughs> it was a wow. great cable. That's a really killer cable, I'm telling you. Killer cable. <laughs> well, I'm your man if you need good cable animation. Come on, give me some scenes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and you know, the, the crazy thing about the He Man show was that at the time we were doing it, the craze for, for He Man was just getting started. Right. And and um, I I don't think we knew what a big deal it would be. It, it, you know, like I was just happy to be working because you know because we had a strike and there was a, re a recession, right? And, and there wasn't a lot of work in town. And you know, it, you know, uh, I think Don Bluth was laying off and Disney's was wrapping up um, uh, Black Cauldron, so there wasn't a lot happening. And so I was very happy to be working on this show. And I remember like saying to the my first day saying to the guy next to me. The name of the show is in the He-Man, right? That's like a tent title. Like the the real name would be like Karnak or you know, Ragnar, <laughs> you know, something like that. And he goes, "No, it's really He-Man." Yeah. And then it came out. It's like a monster hit. Yeah. You know? yeah. I mean, thirty years later, I'm still getting invited to fan conventions. Mm -hmm. You know, like people in their forties and stuff. It's He-Man, yeah. He-Man and Shiro. I mean, I thought it was a goofy name too. I was already a teenager right. by that point, but I watched it enough. And the, but the thing that was impressive to me, just because it seemed like animation was by yeah. that point, yeah. uh, is that you turned out sixty-five episodes, you know, and probably more later. But I mean, initial run was sixty-five episodes, which oh, yeah. you know, I know, like Saturday morning by that point, you're down to like thirteen. You know, it's like yeah. so. Oh, this yeah. is yeah. you know many times more. You know, you know, it was an five times more. You know, <laughs> it was an amazing deal. You know, you know when I was happening, but uh, mm -hmm. it was a huge boom at that at that point. All those kind of shows, and then, oh, yeah. and it's funny, you know, because then when I was when I went to England to work on Who Framed Roger Rabbit, uh, um, I had already started to teach a little bit at night, so I was doing some like night night classes at some schools, and 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 I remember like one of my early students was a, a UCLA grad named David Silverman. Mm. And, and you know and, and uh we were both close friends with charles solomon the the animation historian and um and i remember like i was packing my bags to go to england and uh and and david had been working for this company called laser media which did like laser light shows on the side of buildings <laughs> and, and he says yeah i got this new job um he says you know you know matt graining the guy who does uh, uh um uh, life in hell in the la weekly the comic strip and i go yeah well he's doing interstitials in the tracy ellman show and and, and they're going to be about this family and a dysfunctional family it's gonna be very funny and i go well david what's the name he goes the simpsons and i go well david that doesn't sound funny it, it's <laughs> just a name you know the, the wellingtons you know the andersons and he goes it's gonna be very funny i go david get a real job you know 
<laughs> like Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels, you know, something. <laughs> okay, I'm wrong. I'm wrong. <laughs> Who knew? Is he still at the Simpsons now? Because I mean, yeah, it's still yeah. on. <laughs> he's a senior director there, you know. Okay. I mean, the Simpsons have been going for so long. Students of mine are like planning, who started working on it, are planning their retirement now. And I'm just like, yeah. oh. You know, they just got approved for the thirty fourth and thirty fifth season. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it'll keep yeah. going unless one of the major voices dies. That's the only thing I can think yeah. of. You know, because yeah. Yeah. I used to think, oh, they can't go past twenty years. Oh, they can't go past thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they'll stop when they make the feature film. You know, they've got yeah. done all that. So I don't know. It's like, yeah, you know. yeah. I mean, I don't. I mean, maybe maybe when James L. Brooks retires or something, because because yeah. I mean the the key to the Simpsons was the, was the writing, you know, yeah. it was just like keeping that, the quality of that writing so good and mm -hmm. you know, so strong and everything. Mm -hmm. you know? Like who had the Flintstones, you know, by the time they got the Gadzooks, you know, <laughs> oh, <Gazoo. laughs> yeah, yeah, Gazoo, you know, you're just like, what the hell is this weird show? Like, <laughs> Well, more power to the Simpsons, but, you know, unfortunately, I think, you know, it's best years have passed a long time ago. Now, some may argue with me on that and I go, OK, fine, you know, but, you know, it's like, you know, I think it's kind of like, you know, I mentioned Mad Magazine. It kind of is like where you came in on, you know, if you yeah. came in at the beginning, yeah. you know, you're going to like this certain period. If you came in 20 oh, yeah. years into it, you're going to like that certain period. <laughs> you yeah, know, so, exactly. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just have to respect that for anybody who's a fan nowadays and not, you yeah. know, <laughs> diss them because obviously it's still on. So there's yeah. somebody watching it. I just don't <laughs> tend to. <laughs> um, going back to your career again, you yeah. this is your life. No, um, so uh, after Filmation, you got the job at Disney and you were at Disney doing, during like, like the best time since... <laughs> well, oh, yeah, yeah. you know oh, now um so yeah. you know obviously i'll just read it out for people who don't know you worked on little yeah. mermaid beauty and the beast aladdin lion king pocahontas fantasia 2000 dinosaur well dinosaur may not be one of the yeah. top ones yeah. but you know all yeah, those yeah. other ones are like you know considered like the big animation renaissance and everything oh, yeah. like that yeah. the question is did you know that at the time or was it just <laughs> like oh you know it's like i'm getting a job at disney and you know maybe they'll do something better than you know black cauldron you know it's like <laughs> yeah. oh yeah oh yeah well that's it that's it you know i mean it's it's funny because um uh, um you know when you look at disney's from the outside they're like oh they're just turning out these terrific movies one after another and it's like you know they, they just know how to do it on the inside we're like this can't last much longer <laughs> it's like what the hell are we gonna do now it's like you know you say no. okay so so, I mean, uh, Roger Rabbit was like a gigantic hit. Right. But then we said, well, that's Bob Zemeckis and Steven Spielberg's influence, you know, because like, like Zemeckis had had only hits up to that point, you know, Romancing the Stone and and uh, Back to the Future. And everything he did was like gigantic and everything. So, right. so Roger Rabbit was gigantic. And Jessica was like very sexy and it wasn't the kind of thing that we do in a Disney cartoon and all. So we started Mermaid and we're like, oh, I don't know, is it going to be good? I, I, I hope it is. It's gonna be good. And then Mermaid's a gigantic hit. And then, like Beauty and the Beast was like, well, I don't know, you know, Belle isn't as likable as Ariel was, and 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 you know, we had a lot of story problems with. It. Then that was a gigantic hit, and then we go, well, Aladdin. Well, Aladdin's more of a, of a of a farce than the other films, and the love story was. I don't know if it'll have the same appeal. And then, that's a gigantic hit, and, you know. And and it was just funny that that we just kept 
hitting these things, you, you know, and, and um, uh, you know, and, and not only the conflict, you know, the influx of like fant- great art, artists, animators, but the musicians as well, you know, like all the different, well, you know, uh, Howard Ashman and, and, uh, and Alan Menken, you know, and then Stephen Schwartz afterwards and all, uh, you know, and, and you really saw that like how um, Disney animation became a, a lifeboat for the American musical. Because uh, and you know people forget this too that in in the in the uh, in the late eighties, uh, Broadway was like kind of dead in the water. Also, the the only thing that was happening on Broadway were British imports. You know, Miserable, Phantom of the Opera, Cats, you know, Miss Saigon. Those were all British. They're all yeah. the, the, there were hits on the West End first, and then they came over here. The only thing we had going was Little Shop of Horrors. Right. So like like that was the big hit. You know, yeah. That, and then and, you and didn't all, have all, we didn't have all hits because like Disney did the live action Newsies, the original one, which yeah. has gained traction in recent times, and they did a remake. But you know the original one was Flopperoo. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. you yeah, know yeah, so yeah yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah yeah yeah. I remember the studio was like you, you know the big trend now is gonna be you know movie musicals. You know and it's <laughs> like no. <laughs> it's like you can predict this, but like no. <laughs> now you were on all these big movies all at the same time um was it the same animation animators during that or did people come uh, and go and like were you hired to do a set of pictures or just one at a time uh, how did um, that work um you kind of did it one at a time and stuff and, and um i mean we we're on staff and everything and i mean you know i mean all of us want to be you know frank and ollie you know frank Thompson, right. ollie Thompson. You, you know I, I mean i remember when at frank's memorial I was sitting around talking with my contemporaries and saying, you know, Frank was like the poster boy for Disney animator, which is you, Frank and Ollie got out of Stanford, went right into Disney's, spent 46 years being the most fantastic artist possible, retired rich and wrote books. And I'm like, you know, sign me up. (laughs) I want to do that, you know, but the industry changed. Like it wasn't the kind of, you know, I mean, the great thing was Roy Disney was like a, a wonderful throwback to, to, you know, you know, here's a billionaire, you know, I mean, you know, going, I don't want to get into politics, but going through the era of Trump, it's like, it's like, I've, I know, I've known billionaires, you know, it's like Roy Disney was a billionaire, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg's a billionaire, you know, Spielberg, and, you know, and, and they don't have solid gold toilets, you know, <laughs> you, know you know, Roy was a very modest guy you know and and he came up with you know even though he was born wealthy i mean you know he was a legacy baby um he he earned his stripes i mean he he was an editor on dragnet uh, you know and and he produced uh um the the real life adventures and he'd done a lot of studio work before being an executive so he he knew the process and he would really and he really felt like like you couldn't argue the bottom line with him because money wasn't as important as the reputation of the Disney studio. Like he really was a safeguard of the reputation, you know, and, and, you know, he, he chain smoke like his uncle and stuff, you know, I and didn't know that, but I oh, never yeah. thought about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's like, he chain smoke. And, you know, I think he, he quit in like the last 10 years of his life, but, mm-hmm. but I remember um, he, he, he was very soft-spoken, you know, and, and, but, but effective. He would say, people ask me if I care. I gotta care. My name's on the damn door. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I should I should know this, and you might know this. I mean, but I don't. Um, did Roy Disney Senior did he smoke? That's a good question. I don't know. 
I don't, I, I, I don't know. Okay, yeah. you know, you, because yeah. you never saw him, but it didn't mean they didn't, you know. It's yeah. like, you know, yeah. so. I was just, it, was, it was fascinating. About, find that about, out. <laughs> it was fascinating about Roy Jr. was that like, he looked alarmingly like his uncle. He, yeah. he looked yeah. so much like his uncle. And, and, and you know, he had the little mustache, yeah. you know, and, and a cigarette. And, and he, started, he started shaving his mustache at one point. I think he got tired of people. You know, yeah. comment that you look like your uncle. Yeah, yeah you know. I think the first time I saw him was it was a newspaper article, like early '80s, and yeah. it was before the big Renaissance. But I mean, it's like yeah. here's Walt Disney's nephew, and he looks yeah. just like him. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he did. And I was like, wow, yeah. I didn't know this. I didn't know who he was. You know, it's like, hmm, you know, and, and you know, yeah. later yeah. I knew who he was. But at the time, you know, he he hadn't made a name for himself publicly. Maybe yeah. within the Disney studio, yeah. he had by that point. But you know, yeah. I didn't and, know he was. <laughs> and it's and it's funny you know because like one time um I, I, you know i leave the, i left the studio a lot to, to have lunch with a with a friend in town from san francisco and and, and we were at this little french restaurant in, in toluca lake which is like a nearby neighborhood mm-hmm. and um after the lunch uh you, you know roy roy lived in the toluca lake area mm-hmm. um uh, after lunch i stopped in this small market to, to get a bottle of water or something from my desk and as I was coming out of the uh, out of the market, I felt his hand clap me on the back, and he's like, "Hey, Tom, how are you?" You know, and I turned around, and it's Roy, and it's like, "Oh, hey, Roy, how you doing?" He's like, yeah, I was just getting picking up a few things, and I noticed that for lunch he bought himself a dollar seventy five ham and cheese sandwich, in the in, in the triangular wrapping that you get in a catering truck, you know, like the like the cheapest sandwich possible, you know, and I go, "Here's a." billionaire (laughs) this guy was probably raised on roast squab flambeau or something like that duck larange or something and this is his like idea of an enjoyable lunch is to get one of these cheap ass you know ham and cheese I have a similar story, is, and this was told me when I used to work at Channel 44 in San Francisco was a person I worked with she went on some European vacation or something like that and it was Diane Disney and Roy, uh, uh, not Roy, uh, Ron Miller. And uh, uh, th- she was eating out at fancy European restaurants every night, French restaurants, Italian restaurants. They were brown bagging it, you know? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's how the rich stay rich. They don't spend their money. <laughs> you know, yeah. So there yeah, we that's go. True. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah you, know, you know, it's like this, you know, there are people like they're like they're so unbelievably wealthy it's like i don't need to flaunt it you know like i don't i don't need a, a lamborghini and you know yeah. and whatever and uh, and you know uh, whatever uh, accoutrements like that you know then mm-hmm. then, then uh, you don't to pretend to be you know prosperous and stuff you know yeah. but yeah what are you gonna do <laughs> um now when you left disney was it because you know there's like a little upheaval and the company you went to was part of the result of that is dreamworks was that why you left because you wanted to kind of stick with katzenberg and stuff like that or is it just well, fl- yeah i mean fluke? I, I like, yeah, yeah, yeah i like working with jeffrey you, you okay. know and, and, and uh, um and, and and yeah, when when DreamWorks set up and stuff, he created that split, and and actually kind of reminded me of of a story about Grim Natwick, and and, and that was uh, I remember one time of uh, being with a bunch of young filmmakers, and Grim was being interviewed, and 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 uh, and, and the guy said, uh, you know, you know, uh, you quit right after Snow White, so like when Snow White was, you know 
booming out all over and being like the the story in animation, you quit to go back to Fleischer's. <laughs> and he's like, why did you do that? Were you rejecting the kind of rigidifying stylistic uh, tendencies of the Disney studio and you preferred the more loose urban gestalt of the Fleischer studio <laughs> or something? And Grimm goes, no, he offered me more money. <laughs> and I'm the same. I'm the same way with DreamWorks. It's just okay. like, they oh, offered me more money. They yeah. offered me more money. Okay. Like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's the kind of thing where, you know, a long time ago, um, some great advice I got was they said, try to run your career so that you don't have regrets, mm-hmm. you know, or as few as possible. You can't get rid of them yeah. all, you know. But but I I thought of, about it for a long time, and I thought if I don't take this chance, it's gonna bug me. Yeah. You know, like when I'm an old man, I'm just going to go. Ah. So I thought I'll go with the change. I'll try. Yeah. It. So. And again, you worked on the ones that I like the most. You know, Prince yeah. of Egypt was good. I liked Ants. I liked Spirit. Uh, Shrek, you even worked at the beginnings of that. It said on yeah. your bio. And I go, well, I liked all those movies. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. I don't know if that was intentional. You just have to work on all the big oh, yeah. stuff at all these yeah. studios. So well, they're, all, they're all fun. Yeah. 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 They're, they're all fun. You know, and, and the, the, um, um, you know, Shrek was like sort of a, a chaotic project in the beginning because it went through a lot of changes and there was a lot of rewrites and things, you know. And and, and I think it went through like a couple of directors and I, I was head of story for a little while and then uh, the new director came in, didn't like, you know, the direction I was going in. So, you know, I, you know, you know, I had to leave and then I went on to Spirit and then that director, he got replaced. And so, you know, it's it, 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 it really the weekend Shrek opened. If you asked me what it was going to do, I like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a monster hit. I go, well, okay. We, you know, it made it then, you know, I got to work with Chris Farley and um, Mm -hmm. Chris was a wonderful guy. And, uh, you know, he made me feel thin and, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but he was really nice. If you ever saw the film, Tommy boy, Mm-hmm. Stuff. that's chris for real like he's mm-hmm. not acting you know that's 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 really him yeah you know all the time and and he was like a big kid he was just fun you yeah. know and you know and uh you know he 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 had a, a lot of great stories and things and and uh you know unfortunately you know yeah he, he od'd you know you know yeah. so much. and I, later on osmosis jones i was talking with um chris rock about that and chris was really kind of you could see that he was still kind of rattled about yeah i never thought uh when you think of like which one of us is going to od like i never thought he'd be the one you know, <laughs> you know i was just like well white suburban kid you know suburban chicago and stuff and uh yeah but you know it, it kind of seems inevitable since he idolized john belushi and stuff like yeah. that and you know he had yeah. similar <laughs> i'm getting the door shut yeah. oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> you know and so you know it's too bad they did follow uh exactly in belushi's footsteps yeah. but hey you know it's yeah like... one one story uh, uh um uh chris told me that made me laugh was that we were talking about how um again talking about school and stuff and he was like an all-catholic school so he had he was regularly beaten up by nuns and stuff and <laughs> and, and, he, and, and he said at one point he had a he he was in the middle of a, a of a semicircle of nuns all pointing at him going, going going nobody's laughing with you people are laughing at you and and, and chris goes well at least they're laughing i like that yeah. <laughs> that's what Good i want point, yeah <laughs> 
One thing I never asked, um, it seemed like, but it might just be the tidiness of your resume. Yeah. It seemed yeah. like you would stick with a studio for a period of time and then move on. So you didn't do like studio jumping. You didn't work on this and then jump over here and then jump over here. Or did you? Yeah. No, no, I, well, I mean, even when I was steady in a studio, I'd be freelancing. It, it, okay. It, you know stuff so so you know that's a that's another secret about old hollywood too is that you know finding out that even in the golden era guys were picking up from other studios so yeah. warner guys were picking up mgm stuff and things like that yeah. and, and and you know you tried not to rub the nose of the studio in it because you could get in trouble for like working on it for a competitor yeah. you know that's what but but you try but like when i was at filmation i was picking up hanna Barbera shows and uh yeah. you know like um uh challenge of the gobots you know and the, <laughs> the young flintstones and yeah. things like that it just was easy bunny yeah, yeah. You know, it, it seemed like it happened in all art uh industries you know comic books is the same way you know i did the harvey comics companion and mm -hmm. alfred harvey the owner always put out to everyone you always have a place here Meaning, if things are slow at Marvel or DC or any of the <laughs> yeah. other things, you can yeah. always come here and do some work, and people would. <laughs> and so, yeah. like, uh, that was the thing that uh, I tried to stress in the book. It's like every Gold and Silver Age comic book artist, at one point or another, had their foot in the door at Harvey. And it's yeah. just because they always had an open door policy to give people work to anything. It sounds like maybe in the animation, it's kind of more like Hanna-Barbera was that way yeah. than anybody yeah. else. But, yeah. you know. Yeah. Filmation too, but, but Hanna-Barbera especially, I mean, yeah. um, like Chuck, uh, Chuck Jones is, crew that you know did grinch and you know all, all, all his famous stuff um uh, uh, uh you know you know he he had a studio down in hollywood but but he couldn't he couldn't promise year-round work yeah he would he would get a, a a tv special and then when he gets the special he would hire people and 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 um so all the his artists would work at hannah barbera <laughs> and then and then and then Chuck would sell a script to ABC or something, you know, for for, for a TV for a special, and then he'd send up the bat signal or something, you know, and then yeah. they would all they would all you know give their notice and they would go to Chuck and do this do the special and then all come back, and and Bill and Joe didn't care, you yeah. know, like they, they were just like, no, you know, I'd, I'd rather have him here working, you know, you know, so yeah and to patty freeling was more like chuck jones too it's like that was seasonal yeah. work so it's like uh unless you were artly and arty or somebody that was always on staff you know it's like yeah. uh yeah. you know everybody else you know had to freelance around you know and so it sounds like you were doing that too so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it yeah yeah you know and again too like you know we pick up people from from you know got laid off from Bakshi or got laid off from Bluth or something you know and then you know you know when when you know Black Cauldron uh, the staff got very big to finish Cauldron mm -hmm. and then when Cauldron was over like we got a lot of people you know and over at Filmation you know and they were they were happy for the work you know the, you know the weird thing too about Bill and Joe were so uh, you know in tune with uh, I think they had some kind of relationship with Disney's or something because one of my friends who was a trainee at at, at, at Disney Studio. Uh, you, you know, you know, he was in that whole group of like John Musker and Brad Bird and Henry Selleck and stuff. You know that that whole group there that became, you know, the the the, the lions of the the Disney Renaissance. But um, he got fed up. Uh, you know, he decided he wanted to move on, and he gave notice to Disney Studios, saying, "I'm quitting." And 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 he says that day he went back to his desk and to pack up. And while he's packing up, the phone rings, and he picks up the phone, and it's Hanna Barbera. <laughs> <laughs> You know, do you need a job? Well, it's like, 
<laughs> you know, apparently they they had some sort of like direct line or something, you know, between between the studios, you know. So right. Um, is there any current animation studio that's kind of like that, or is it really more segmented, like yeah, more than, um, or splintered more than ever nowadays? Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a little while, uh, you know, there's a lot of us working at Disney Feature. Then for a little while, uh, there was a lot of people at at Disney Television. People yeah. doing Disney TV, and then um, uh, recently there was a lot of people at Netflix. So they're, they're like, oh, where's James Baxter? He's at Netflix. Oh, where's Glenn Keane? He's at Netflix. You know, that was like one. And and um, now uh, a lot of people are helping out on The Simpsons also. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's a, you know, just a, people like the steadiness of it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, I kind of segued over to teaching just because, um, uh, you know, in 2010 and everything, you know, it was like hustling around projects and things and stuff didn't start to happen. And, um uh, you know and, and my wife came back one day and i was always teaching one night a week uh, you know mm-hmm. and and my my wife said to me one day she said you know you come back from the studio and you bitch 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 <laughs> and then you come back from from, from school and go how's class you know i had fun so, well maybe it's telling you something you go, yeah yeah it's time <laughs> <laughs> you know so so i became full-time and i thought mm-hmm. you know i've got i've got um whatever it is like 32 movies and 22 tv series and i don't know how many commercials and it's mm-hmm. like that's enough it, 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 you know like you know let, let some young people start to do it you know and and it makes me feel good when i when i know the people that i trained and stuff like go out and and, uh, and do great things too so mm-hmm. so on your teaching career is it has it always been at usc or have you taught elsewhere Oh yeah, no, no, I bounced around a lot. I, um, okay. I, I started at a little school called Brandis, which was like a little professional, uh, a little mm-hmm. private professional school in the in, in the San Fernando Valley. And um, but I've taught at UCLA, I taught at Cal Arts, uh, I taught at, uh, at a, uh, AFI, I taught at Noman, you know, uh, um, you, you know, a bunch of Santa Monica College, Woodbury. But um, you know, when USC called, I said, okay. This is USC, you know. This isn't like Joe Bob's film school, you know. This is like, it's yeah. like, like we're not kidding. Well, <laughs> UCLA is like, is not bad either. I oh suppose. yeah, UCLA is yeah. terrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're great stuff too. Yeah. You know, Cal and, Arts. And, and, but anyway, go ahead. Yeah, Cal Arts also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're wonderful. But it's, but it's like, uh, you know, they offer me more money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That sounds like because yeah. Chico needed the money. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if you yeah. heard that. The, Old yeah, Gilbert yeah. Godfrey doing old Groucho. Anyway, enough yeah, of that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Chico yeah, needs the money. <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. but then, uh, it, yeah, but I thought you know, and um, yeah, the, it, it, it's it's a very good program, and it's funny because you know you don't think of USC really because uh, in animation there's always CalArts, CalArts, CalArts. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know? And 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 there is a the, they do have a terrific program, and I was very proud to to, to teach there. But you know what? Would you SC say like, well, well, these guys go back to the silent era, you know, and and it's like, and a lot of uh, Hollywood celebs, you know, you know, like uh, um, uh, it was Art Cloakey came up with Gumby, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and as his student film, like that was his yeah. thesis film in 1957, and uh, <laughs> and Melendez taught there for a while, yeah. and um, uh, you know, um, which George Lucas's first film as a student was an animated film. Yeah, the thing called "Look at Life," you know, which was like he he just was photograph, you know, he he shot uh, stills of photographs. Yeah, and did a photo montage of it. Spielberg but, was there too, right? 
Yeah. Um, no, actually, he couldn't get in and everything. Oh, he went to, I didn't he went know to Long that. Beach State. Yeah, oh. it's, it's funny because he's got his name on a building. Yeah, like, yeah. So that's I was sure, and I should know, know this, but I didn't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now, as far as your teaching goes, is it just teaching fundamentals of animation, or what types of things have you taught over um, years? I teach. Uh, yeah, I started with fundamentals of animation. I also teach fundamentals of storyboard, and uh, now I teach animation history. And, and and also, you know, because of, um, you know, my book on computer history, oh, because, yeah. you know, actually, when I was writing um, yeah, this one, yeah, you know, this one about, uh, yes. mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, you know, uh, what I found interesting was when I was writing uh, draw, Drawing the Line, I, I, I thought I needed to explain the digital, the digital transition to say yeah. how it changed, you know, the, the fundamental nature of the business and all. Yeah. And I did a lot of research into digital. And and that chapter started getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then my my editor, thank goodness, said to me, you've got a new book here. And it's like, oh, yeah. Hey. <laughs> cool. Okay. <laughs> and I thought, well, I know all those guys. You know, I mean, I remember when, when uh, you know, when Pixar was getting started. And I remember seeing the early experimental films. And, and actually... Uh, working for Seamus, uh, uh, you know, I dedicated the book to Seamus uh, mm -hmm. because because when I was uh, when I was working for him, Seamus used to go over to the New York Institute of Technology and, mm -hmm. and, and watch them uh, do early experiments in, in creating uh, uh, computer animation. And these kids like, you know, Ed Catmull, <laughs> you, know, you know, Lauren Carpenter and Ralph Guggenheim, so mm -hmm. the people who became the main technology of, uh, of Pixar were all learn their stuff working at new york tech mm -hmm. and, and, you know and and it was there was like this rogue millionaire like dr alexander shore who wanted to make a cg feature like 20 years before toy story it was like in the mid 70s he wanted to do this and mm -hmm. but, but uh, seamus would would be there and and then he would um uh, he'd come back to the office and i was sitting there working and he was working at his typewriter you know writing uh you know his you know, talking animals you know his first book and, you know, and, and Seamus would look up at me and he goes, you know, computers are coming. It's going to change everything. The business will never be the same. And I'm like, that's nice, old man. Lie down, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Have some Wheatina. You, you know, it's like, uh -huh. I didn't know. But he was right. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. he was, you know, here's this guy who started in silent film and did some of the earliest TV commercials telling me everything's going to go digital. And like, yeah. You know, so when I so when I started writing the, the the CG book, it was almost like a lot of the uh, pioneers that I talked to who had done the earliest experimental CG work, they couldn't quite believe that I was writing a history. <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, guys, uh, Jurassic Park was like uh, twenty years ago." <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it is time, isn't it? <laughs> go, yep. Yeah, yeah. If you don't write this stuff down now, you know. And one of the one of the senior design this guy named Bill Kovacs, who was like one of the senior designers of Maya, Autodesk Maya, uh, died suddenly, and uh, still at a comparatively young age. And that kind of like got everybody thinking, "Oh shit, we better start writing." It. <laughs> now, um, I haven't read that book. I probably should, but um, is like the first uh, computer animation. I'm aware of is like on the earliest Sesame streets and stuff like that, where they have numbers that flip around. It's very rudimental stuff, but is that considered like the first computer yeah, animation? There is. Yeah. 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 That, that's somebody like early... late sixties, early seventies. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the earliest. I, I, I mean, it, 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 it's a great piece of trivia. The very first 
computer animation uh, on a feature length film. The opening titles of Hitchcock's Vertigo. Oh, wow. Because what happened was uh, John Whitney, John Whitney Sr., who's considered the father of computer animation, yeah. was was an experimental filmmaker in the 40s. Like he was like working in Grauman or something, and, and, and he worked at UPA also. Uh-huh. And, 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 and he was doing his experiments with, with non-objective, non-traditional, you know, filmmaking, like streaking mm. colors and things under the camera and stuff. And, and, and he bought a lot of World War II army surplus you know, junk and stuff like, like, like radio scopes and spectrometers and stuff. And, and, and he, he bought, um, he bought a, 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 um, a, a Navy surplus bomb site, uh, a gun site that it was like an early computer that actually uh, uh, sort of would sync up anti-aircraft guns to all point at the same plane uh, you know, as they were going by. And, and anyway, it, this is in his garage in Altadena. So he and his younger brother are like rewiring this computer and stuff. And they created a proto analog computer, like a pre-computer computer. And at that time, Hitchcock was using Saul Bass, who was a friend of mine, right. and 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 uh, and and wanted something different for Vertigo for the opening credits. Mm-hmm. So Saul hired John Whitney and everything to make those spiral things coming out of Kim Novak's eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean, they barely moved that little spiral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to start somewhere. You know, yeah, you know. yeah. Well, the, so, the the earliest I've heard of on movies, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you know, is in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yes, seventy one. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. has like when the Oompa Loompas are singing, and they have what do you do when your kid yeah. is a brat, and it makes like yeah. a whoop word like that. Yeah. That yeah. was computer generated. So yeah, that was computer generated. Yeah, okay. I'm having a brain fart right now, so I don't I, I remember the, the exact name of it. But uh, oh, uh, no, no, it's not it. But uh, but the thing that I found fascinating when I was doing the computer book was that um, normal film history stuff is is pretty linear, you know, which is like trick films, and then you get into doing entertainment films connected with comics, uh, then Walt Disney, and, and you know, and it's pretty you know uh, cg is more difficult because you've got you've got experimental filmmakers uh you've got scientists working on on <laughs> digital programs you've got the government you know the government put a lot of money in flight simulators mm-hmm. flight sims you know because like when flight sims started at, like during world war ii it was like a, a a pilot you know would get in this like um wooden box on on tire springs and they <laughs> shake it and they go i'm flying a plane you know <laughs> you know by the end of world war ii you got supersonic jets and bombers you know you can't you got to train people better so they came up with simulators you know and, and the, the government put a lot of money in graphics so that when you turn the wheel of your plane the graphics move you know, which now it's like nothing. But back then, that was a super complicated algorithm, you know. And so there was that stuff. And uh, they used to call it spook work. You know, like you do government work and stuff. Like even Pixar did spook work. You, mm-hmm. you know, that, you know, it, it paid the bills, you know. Right. But, uh, but then, uh, so there's all these different, you know, and there's people, the games is another realm and visual effects is another realm. And then around the 80s, they all start to, congeal you know they all started to become you know fine um i was talking with a friend who was a producer at uh at digital productions and 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 she said my final revenge is i can walk right on the street right now stop somebody and say do you know what cgi is and they go yeah computer graphics he goes in 1984 let me know what the hell you were talking about (laughs) 
it made no sense you know <laughs> i think i did but i was following it so you know i knew about okay. uh what tron did and you know yeah. the earliest pixar stuff with you know tin toy or even before that when they just had like the juggling uh you know things so yeah i'm gonna have to take a look at that book um so yeah, how many yeah. books have you done I, I i think i count four or five yeah about five about five okay. books yeah so you have drawing have... the line moving into innovation history of computer animation eat drink animate oh and... yeah, yeah the, the cookbook and yeah. timing for animation <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. i mean i mean the, the fun thing about the cookbook was you know when i assisted grim natwick uh, you know uh, that first time uh, uh I, I, as, as a present gift uh, grim gave me his chili recipe and <laughs> And he's from, uh, you know, he's from Missouri and he's very proud of his chili recipe and stuff. So we have grim, you know, and, and then um, when I was when I was uh, hanging out in Japan, uh, uh, you know, helping judge the Nagoya Festival, uh, uh, one of the producers at at, um, at Ghibli gave me Miyazaki's recipe for ramen. And I said, okay, I got a ramen, you know, and, you know, and then I thought, well, you, you know, I, I, I got a recipe from uh, from Bill Hanna and I got a recipe from Chuck Jones. And I thought, and I was joking with um John Alberto Bendazzi, the, um, the Italian hist animation historian. And I said, you know, um, I can write a cookbook. And he goes, that's an incredible idea. <laughs> like, oh, okay. So once I started asking people, you know, I called up, you know, you know, Linda Jones, like Chuck's daughter, and 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 called up, you know, the the Bill Hanna's family, and I said, Did your dad have a favorite recipe? And, and it turned out a bunch of them did, you know. Oh, you know, well, uh, Benny Washam, who was the um, uh, uh, animator for Chuck and everything, uh, uh, he liked to cook, mm. you know. And and suddenly it's like everybody had a recipe, you know, for, for stuff. And you know, and, and you know, and it's not like um, some stuff is complicated. Some of it's like it's very simple, yeah. it, it, you know. Like uh, John Kimball told me, Ward Kimball's idea of dinner was open up a can of hash, throw in some peanuts, dinner. <laughs> <laughs> you, know, <Easy>. like, okay. <laughs> you know so it's fun just collecting all these stories is that in the book <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. okay cool oh, yeah. There, yeah there was there was a guy too um who directed uh uh um, death metal videos uh, his name was john schnepp and uh, he's passed away unfortunately he's a young man but but he gave me a recipe for something called picklebacks mm. which is which is a shot of bourbon and a shot of pickle juice like throw back one, throw back the other. <laughs> Odd. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, yeah, I, I, and you know, the, the other thing too is that also about with cartoons is um, I got Mary Blair's Martini. Mm. I have Mark Davis's Martini. <laughs> you know, everybody's Martini. Uh, yeah, it's like you know, like like Grim Natwick said, you haven't uh, you haven't lived until you had a Mary Blair Martini. It's like it's really like oh okay, <laughs> you know, so. Have you tried most of these recipes yourself? Oh, just yeah. Say, oh, okay. yeah. Are oh, you a yeah. uh, uh, like cook on the side, or are you just like I, to I, eat? <laughs> I just like to eat. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, and I like to tell stories. And yeah. and and you know, um, uh, I, a good friend of mine, Robert Lentz, uh, uh Robert was the head of story uh, was the head of story artist on Toy Story, and and we worked together on Shrek and stuff. And and he studied to be a professional cook. 
so so he helped me with a lot of the recipes. He like tested a lot of the recipes and stuff, and then oh. you know, and we worked them all out together and stuff. And uh, Bruno Bozzetto sent me a pasta. Um, Michael oh. G. Know, sent me some pasta. So, I got so to look this me. book up too. <laughs> yeah, 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 I didn't I, even I, know you did this. One. I didn't know yeah. that you did the. I did know you did the computer animation one. Yeah. I just haven't looked yeah. it up before. So, but yeah, anyway. like I was looking at the list, and I was thinking like I got eight Oscar winners, you know, with recipes, and about five uh, Emmy winners. Interesting on the list. So, and and it's just yeah, and like I said, and, and the recipes go from very simple to very complex. So, mm -hmm. depending on how you know, like House and Bachelor sent me, you know, a recipe for beef bourguignon, and it's like, uh, <laughs> okay, so. yeah, very cool. Well, um, I could probably talk to you for hours, but I don't want to keep you forever <laughs> here. We'd, um, uh, I guess the question would be, uh. I mean, I know you're teaching and everything nowadays. Uh, but do you make any public appearances or uh, anything like that at the to these days? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like if I get invited to speak some places, and yeah. and you know, I mean, with the with the COVID lockdown, it's been a little more right. difficult. Yeah, to get around, but. Um, but, but I start actually, asking now, and people go, "Oh yeah, I'm going to San Diego Comic Convention. I'm doing oh, yeah, this. I'm doing yeah. that. Whatever. Are, are you? Do you have anything in the plans for the next few months uh, or no?" I mean, I'll probably be at the Annie Awards because it's the 50th anniversary and all that's that's it. And and I've been working with the with the Academy Museum and the motion picture mm -hmm. and stuff. I've been, you know, make sure animation's represented. You know, you know we have a lot of stuff there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and I always talk to them about how you know the differences between successful museums and unsuccessful museums. You know, like uh, like I noticed, like I admire like the Disney Family Museum. Mm -hmm. you know you, you know I, I when i first heard about it i thought oh like 11 rooms of family photos you know what it's, <laughs> but um they it's do a, a good job museum. yeah they I did like a it. really good job you know they pushed and you know and and i noticed that good museums are always changing they're always yeah. they're always new shows and new things and you know uh down here i remember in san bernardino they had a roy rogers museum oh yeah I wish yeah. I'd seen that one. I didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I, and it was just like the contents of his garage. You know, he had like his, <laughs> his, like his fly fishing poles and his Kiwanis Club memberships. And, you know, and they never uh, changed it then. It was no, never. The no, you know. And then yeah. after you saw it, you saw it, and that was yeah, it. Yeah. You know, and and eventually, I guess, like you know, a, a generation of people have come in who don't know who he is. You know. Yeah. Just like the Liberace Museum in, in, in Las Vegas, I think, had to close yeah. because the modern generation, they, they never heard of these people. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like your your father telling us about, you know, um, uh, your parents telling you about like Sophie Tucker and Ted Lewis. Uh, <laughs> 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 you know, my, my, my old man was a jitterbug and, you know, he, he told me stories about Kay Kaiser and uh, <laughs> College of Musical Knowledge, you know, I was just like. <laughs> whatever no i know, yeah, I know yeah, exactly yeah. yeah yeah but the disney family museum is is aggressively they keep it they keep it moving and they keep uh, yeah. they keep being relevant and stuff so yeah. so yeah i was saying with these guys uh, you know with the, with the motion picture museum that like yeah we got to keep doing shows and we got to keep you know keep serving the community working with the community and stuff and mm -hmm. and, and and teaching people because it's not like um you know like i, I used to joke about um our generation, uh, 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 our generation kind of grew up on old movies. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Martin Scorsese once said, uh, 
He said, everybody who watched like million dollar movie when they were a kid, uh, you know, you know, got a college level university uh, film course. Mm-hmm. You know, you came home from school and there's bringing a baby or friendly yeah. persuasion or how green was my valley, you know. Or, yeah. and, and I said, students don't have that nowadays. Yeah. You know, so, but we got to keep showing them like this is this is why this stuff is is great, you know, and yeah. it should be remembered. So. Now, I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area and they had what was known as the 330 movie. Yeah. Uh, they heavily edited each thing because the time slot was only 90 minutes and most films oh. were <laughs> around 90 yeah. minutes. So they always cut something out. But I didn't yeah. know that at the time. And also there was no home video. So, I mean, you had to to get what you got. <laughs> so yeah. anyway. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that was it, you know, and, and I didn't really notice this till like uh, one time I was working on a TV special and, and, and my assistant was like a 20 a something and I was making, I was making some sort of allusion to like Laurel and Hardy, you know, and, and they, and she said, well, I wasn't born when they were doing it. And I oh. said, well, I wasn't born either. They're, yeah. they're, it's still great stuff. Yeah. I always hate that excuse. It's like it's easier now than ever to see most things. I mean, there's some things that are just gone, you know, but I mean, you know, compared to when you and I were kids, you know, it's like the accessibility to so many things is like, oh, there it is, you know. And, and, you know, the old animators, you know, the folks like, you know, Chuck Jones and Frizz and stuff would say, but they, adored the, the the silent comedians they studied harold lloyd and studied chaplin and studied Keaton and everything and they 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 obsessed over that and stuff you know yeah. you know and they want to learn the, the tricks of timing you know you know how to how, how to get a laugh just with a timing joke and stuff mm-hmm. so yeah but anyway all right yeah okay well if uh people want to get in contact you or ask you a question or you know uh, or yeah, how, yeah. how do they get copies of your books? I assume they're all in print. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. They're all still out and everything. Yeah. They're all on Amazon or whatever. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, whatever you want to get Barnes and Noble, you, you know, they're all there. You know, and, and, uh, the nicest compliment I got about my writing was, was, uh, was a fe- another historian said it, it, it reads like the way you talk. And I said, <laughs> Oh, good. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I've gotten that compliment about my book, so right. I, I'm happy with that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's funny because like I've had the uh, opposite problem in the university because like when I was when I was like uh, you know trying to, to to get a promotion you know for tenure and things like that, uh, uh, the dean once told me he said, um, um, it, I, I I read your dissertation and uh, there's one thing that I think you need to work on. I said, mm-hmm. what's that? He goes. You're too readable. It's too easy. You know, okay. <laughs> you you have to infuse a more academic idiom in uh. your in your polemic. <laughs> you know, like like like, don't say something's real. Say it has a veristic verisimilitude. You know. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what people understand. <laughs> what I'm saying. So. Forgive me for making it readable. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. That's, anyway. that's just, hmm. All right. So if people wanted to get in contact with you, how would, you, how would they do that then? Oh, I said check my website. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all that stuff. You know, all right. 
very cool well i want to thank you tom for being my special guest i learned more about you and i definitely get the cookbook and the <laughs> the computer animation book um and uh that pretty much wraps it up for another episode of the fun ideas podcast and okay. we will see you next time okay take care it was, it was great being on thank you for listening and thank you tom cedo for being my special guest Remember, you can always watch the video version of this episode on YouTube. Episode number 203 will be coming soon. If you would like to comment and or be a guest on this podcast, please drop me a line at funideas.mark at gmail.com. Become a patron of Mark Arnold and Fun Ideas Productions. If everyone listening just contributed a dollar a month, that would be a tremendous help in continuing the production of my books and this podcast. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel. The opening and closing music for the Fun Ideas podcast is provided courtesy of Andrew the Slow Poisoner Goldfarb and is used with permission. This has been the Fun Ideas podcast. This is Mark Arnold speaking. This episode is copyright 2022. Fun Ideas Productions. Thank you and good night.